Well, good morning. My name is Tim. I'm the pastor here. If you just walked in, uh, today is going to be a little bit different. We are going to get to our series in the book of Ephesians. We're in week four of that series. But before we get there, we're going to celebrate uh, turning two years old as a church and celebrate God's faithfulness in that. And so we're going to do a few things. We're going to look in a passage in Ephesians that lays out perfectly God's unified, diverse church, which is what we've experienced over the last two years. We didn't even plan it that way. Uh, God's providence has been with us from the beginning. It's evident today in that what we're talking about in Ephesians is what we've experienced over the last two years as a church. And so we're going to get into that in a few moments after the service. Uh, we're going to continue the celebration with a chicken and waffles food truck. I can't think of a better way to celebrate than fried and fluffy goodness. Uh, you're free in Christ to celebrate that, so just go ahead and get some food afterwards. We're going to have ice cream and cake pops. I hope you're hungry. We're going to have a bounce house and a pinata for the kids. We have new PBC Shirts for adults and kids for $10 in the lobby, so you can grab one of those. It's a great time to celebrate God's faithfulness in our first two years. And I was thinking about it as we led up to today. I would talk to some of you and some of the people in our, in our church, some people that have supported us financially, some people that have prayed for us since the very beginning. And they would say things like, man, how do you feel I mean, you guys have overcome so much. I mean, this is such a great story. Like, how do you feel as you approach this Sunday? And I would, I would just stop them and say, how do you feel? We're all a part of this. How do you feel? The people who've prayed that don't even live in Phoenix, the people who've partnered with us financially, many of you who serve and contribute and connect, it's not me, it's we, it's us. You see, that's why I, I love the church. We said it from the very beginning we said the church is not a brand, it's not a building, it's not a person, it's a people. And that we get to be a part of that. You see, whether you were here from the very beginning or this is your first Sunday, you have the opportunity through the blood of Jesus Christ, if you know him, you have the opportunity to say, not just, I heard about that. Not just, I was there, but you have the opportunity to say, I was a part of this that I was moved by the love of Jesus to partner with God's people, to contribute in God's mission, that all of you have the opportunity this morning through the blood of Jesus Christ to be a part of his church. And that's our big idea as we're going to get into the sermon in a few moments is we see a diverse, unified people that are built together in Jesus Christ. And that's what you have the opportunity to step into this morning. That's what we're celebrating as we celebrate our two years. The church is not a brand. It's not a building. It's not a person. It's a people. And we're going to hear from some of those people. And so we have some people, the church, that are going to share about what God has done, his faithfulness in and through them at our church over the last two years. And so I'm going to invite up Graham and Savannah Saunders. Would you guys give it up for them? Hey there. Um, we're the Saunders. We lead a community group here in Central Phoenix. And uh, we've been a part of this church for uh, a few years now, um, since the beginning. And uh, we just wanted to share a little bit about our story um, here at PBC and getting involved with the community. Um, when we first came to the church, we were just a really young dating couple uh, who wanted to move into getting married one day. And uh, we were looking at 
hopefully finding a church that had um, a community of young people, of kind of like-minded people, but also people who were in a, ahead of us in life, if you will, um, that were already married and that we could kind of go to and seek advice from and walk through uh, this process with them. And that's what we found. Um, in our first probably two weeks, we plugged into a community group and uh, we walked uh, with them through everything from being dating to telling them one week that I wanted to propose to her um, and then walking all the way through to having them at our wedding. Uh, it was so cool. And um, it's been so critical to our relationship um, to have that group with us through all stages of life, all things that we walk through. It's just been awesome. Um, I think it's helped us grow in our relationship together, but also just grow our relationship with Christ because we have those uh, people to challenge us, um, to speak into us, and then we're also able to walk uh, with them through their lives as well. Um, and we love it. So. Um, yeah, and I guess if we could sum up, like, the last two years of being at PBC from um, not leading a community group to now leading a community group, I would say, like, the, the one word I would use would definitely be growth. Um, growth in our marriage, in our personal walks with God. I don't think our relationships with Jesus would be where they're at if it wasn't for the community that we've been surrounded by. Um, and yeah, just the incredible blessing it's been just to walk through those stages of life with other people and conquer sin with other people and see other people's growth um, has just been a huge blessing for us. So yeah, that's it. Thank you. I, uh, I'm Ron, and this is my beautiful wife, Nancy. 39 years. <laughs> um, so PBC, uh, we've been at PBC since the beginning. And as you know, uh, starting a church is interesting. It's difficult at times. It's fun. Uh, we went through all the things of church in a truck, right? So you... You come out early in the morning, and you set things up. Uh, you fit things into small spaces. You have the service, and then you tear everything down. And so that's what it was like. And uh, we were meeting at 5.30 in a tiny space, and, you know, it was hard for a lot of people with kids. Um, but uh, at the same time, you're wondering, you know, next Sunday, are we going to be at church? And so here we are, two years in. Uh, praise God, we are a church, and uh, God has been faithful to us, and uh, it's just been a blessing. So a little bit about uh, our story. Uh, 2016, uh, for me, has been a year of cancer, and uh, had some, uh, some symptoms early, or late in January, and being a guy... I kind of tried to ignore them, and they went away, and that was good, and then it came back, that wasn't so good, and a couple of rounds of that, and finally went to the doc, and they ordered up, seemed like a million tests, and pretty soon found out that I had kidney cancer. So uh, all through this time, uh, the church, people individually, uh, 
our community group just rallied around and we had prayer, we had support. Uh, every time we walk in the door, uh, whether it's for service, uh, whether it's for an event, uh, wherever it is, people say, well, how are you feeling? Uh, how's it going? How can we pray? And it's just been wonderful. We've had so much support. Um, and so I had the surgery and uh, you know, as far as the kidney is concerned, it's gone and the cancer's gone. So that, that's good. <laughs> uh, so then uh, do another test and the doc comes back and says, well, you have prostate cancer. So uh, number two. Uh, so we just had uh, our third consultation this week and we were... Uh, able to decide on our course of treatment, so we're pretty happy about that. Uh, prognosis is really, really good, so um, we appreciate your prayers, and you know, our community group, we had a, a tremendous time on um, this past Thursday, just sharing the word and sharing prayer requests, including the cancer, and it's just wonderful, and I recommend walking in community to everyone. And then just one final thing, uh, we, uh, we led Financial Peace University um, through January through April, and we had a big crowd, uh, 34 people came through, and we saw a lot of change in people's lives. People were encouraged to uh, work hard and knock down their debt and, uh, you know, transform their financial trajectory. And even now we hear stories of people say, hey, you know, I paid this off and I paid that off and I only have three left and that sort of thing. So just a little shameless plug, uh, we're going to do it again in January. <laughs> so keep an eye out for that. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you guys for sharing. I love their stories. I kind of gave them a broad umbrella of, hey, a memory of what God has done. And I just love that I was sitting there listening and then words came out like growth, uh, like change. But it was always corresponding with people. It was always corresponding with community. And you saw that intersecting in all of their lives. And that's really, I think, if we, if we polled a lot of the people that have been a part of this church, hopefully, if you just joined us, that you would have similar things, maybe different stories, different circumstances, but that similar concept of being joined together with God vertically and there being a direct link between that vertical relationship and your horizontal relationships with others. Uh, I was thinking about it this week. I'm a dad of three kids, and all of my kids are, are deeply connected to me, right? I'm their father, uh, but they're also deeply connected to one another, right, their brother and sister. And uh, the other night, last night, actually, my wife was praying with our kids, and she was explaining to them that today was going to be a day of celebration, that we're going to celebrate two years as a church. And when my seven-year-old prayed, she, she said this. She said, God, I, I want to thank you for making Phoenix Bible Church. That's a good way to say it, right? That really any church and anything is God makes that God in his glorious grace, he brings that to fruition. That we're not celebrating today our fruitfulness, we're celebrating God's faithfulness. 
And in that moment, my, my daughter's praying that. My, my wife looked over my son, who's four. He was not praying. Um, they sleep in the same room, and he, she's praying this, this rich theological prayer, right? It's precise. It's accurate. She's seven years old. She's praying this theological prayer, and, and we look over, and my son is laid out on the bed, and he's trying to bounce from one corner of the bed to another. But listen, even in that moment, they were still deeply connected to one another as brother and sister and deeply connected to us as their parents. And it didn't matter that one of them was praying a rich theological prayer and that one of them was bouncing on the bed. It didn't matter what levels they were at, what stages they were at, how they articulated things or what they had done in life. We were connected as a family that they weren't just sons and daughters, they were brothers and sisters. You see, as we look at our, our passage today, Paul paints that, that picture of the church. We're going to take just a few moments just to run through this passage. We're not going to get to it all. Go home and read it yourself. Uh, we want to dive into it, though, a little bit. And here's the big idea. I said it earlier, but you can write this down if you take notes. The diverse, unified church that's built up together in Jesus. That's what we're going to unpack really just point by point in the rest of our time together. If you look at the text with me, you see it in verse 11 through 12. You see the Gentiles, they're called the uncircumcision by another group of people called the circumcision. That's the Jewish people. So you have two groups of people. You may have heard of this. If you looked at the Old Testament, New Testament's referred to a lot. You have the Jews and you have the Gentiles, and they're different people, Right? And you might say, well, how are they different? We see several things. You can just look at the text with me, and we'll see them together, that Gentiles without Christ are separated. They're alienated. They're strangers with no hope. And Jews were the opposite of that. They had a privileged status, a privileged position. They were God's chosen people, part of his special nation. That's Israel. They had hope in God, not just a belief that maybe someday will, something will happen. They had a covenant with God. They had his promises. And some of you might be thinking, if you're not familiar with some of this or the Bible or Jewish culture, you might be thinking, like, well, how does circumcision fit into all that? Why circumcision? Well, that was an Old Testament external symbol of an internal blessing, that the Jewish people had that blessing, and this was a sign of that. And again, that separates these two groups of people. They called each other names, right? You see in the text that the circumcision called the other people the uncircumcision. Can you imagine? In a fight of words, you're just like, you're the uncircumcision. Oh, yeah, well, you're the circumcision. These are two very different, diverse groups of people. And that's what we see as Paul begins to lay out. There's different backgrounds there's different ethnicities. There's different tensions because of this. There's different traditions. They're diverse. But, in verse 13, again, with that transitional word, but now in Christ Jesus, something has changed. This diverse group of people has been unified that once you who are far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Verse 14, it says this, he breaks down the dividing wall of hostility. That's interesting. If you just think about that imagery, all of us can do this, whether you know the Bible or not. 
You can imagine walls of hostility, like all the things in life that divide us, our preferences, our positions on political matters, our beliefs, our backgrounds, our experience with the church, our experience or not an experience with Jesus, all those dividing walls. And and Paul's definitely using that imagery, but he's also referring to literal walls, that most scholars would look at this and, and think, especially because he refers to the, to the temple a few verses later, that Paul would have been pointed them to something they were very familiar with, and that was the temple in Jerusalem, that the temple had dividing walls, that there were certain places that some people could go, and there were other places that other people couldn't go. And that Paul would have been using this imagery and they would have understood it really, really well. And so if I can describe it to you and kind of help with that illustration and paint that picture for you, that basically in the Jewish temple you had the holy of holies. That was the most inner court. And in that, only the high priest could come. And he could even only come once a year. And that was to, in a special way to commune with the presence of God. So you have the Holy of Holies, the most inner court. And then a little bit away from there, you have in the court, still in the inner court, you have priests. They would have to come in and make sacrifices. So they were, they were close. They were, they were getting to the Holy Holies, but they weren't quite there yet. And then you had another separation, and you would have a, a male Jew. And he could come in, and he could worship God, and he could commune with God in the temple courts. And then you had another separation, a dividing wall, and then you would have a a female Jew over here, and and she couldn't get as close as all these guys, as the male, as the priest, as the high priest, but she could still come in and she could worship God. And then a little bit outside in the outer court, you would have a a Gentile, and, and if you think about it, the Gentile was there because he wanted to worship God. She wanted to worship God, but she had to do so, he had to do so from outside the temple. And as Paul begins to describe it, you can see in the text, he then describes that there's someone who is a little beyond that, that there's someone who is is far off, that I don't know what he's doing. He's just living his life. He's not concerned with God. He's not concerned with the temple. He's far off. He's playing Pokemon Go. He's obsessed with his life and his selfies and Instagram, and he's just doing his own thing. No knowledge of God, no knowledge of his brokenness. And so you have all these walls of separation, and Paul is painting this picture that you have someone who is called far off, that they're not in the inner courts, they're not in the outer courts, that they're off somewhere else. And what Paul says is that by the blood of Christ, that God is taking someone who is far off, who's here, and he's bringing them near. He's bringing them into the holy of holies, the person who was far off, who who didn't even know they were lost and needed to be found, the person who was broken and didn't even realize they needed to be fixed, that God is taking that person who is far off, and by the blood of Christ, he's bringing them near. And he's not just doing that. It says in verse 14, look at the verse, he makes them all one. So he brings the far off, but he also brings the near. He brings the rebellious, but he also brings the religious. That Jesus takes all these different backgrounds, ethnicities, tensions, traditions, these walls, and he busts them down through the cross, and through his blood, he brings them near. So that those who are 
dirty and those who are clean. Those who are rule breakers, those who are rule followers, they get the special access to God, the Father, in the holy of holies. They get to commune and worship with God. That the walls have been shattered. They've been broken down through the blood of Christ. Do you see that? Paul is painting this picture, and we get to experience that picture as well. And we may not divide over the same things that they divided over. We don't often divide over circumcision in our culture. That's not our our dividing wall, right? We don't divide over some of these traditions. We're not dividing. All of you get to come and sit in comfy chairs. We're all in rows together. We didn't ask some of you to sit in the back corner, some of you to sit in the front row, some of you to stay outside. That would have been awkward. We didn't do that. All of us come in here. We worship God together. So we don't have the same dividing walls that they did, but we do have them. I mean, you think about it, we have walls of, between races and political parties. We have walls between social and economic classes. We have walls in the church. Some of you made it here today, but you think, I'm not like the rest of these people. I mean, the things I've done, the things that have been done to me, I mean, I almost stayed outside. I almost didn't walk in here because I'm not like the rest of these people. You talk about being made one. I don't know if that includes me. I'm definitely relating to that guy who is far off. Maybe not the Pokemon Go part, but you are far off, and you're like, that's, that's me. And there's a dividing wall. There's, there's some people in here that you showed up today. You know something is missing. Maybe you don't even like church, but you know something is missing in your life. And so you, you walked through those doors. And then there's other of, uh, others of us that externally, much like circumcision in their day, externally, we have all the right signs and symbols, right? We know how to say the right things, to do the right things, just enough to distract from what's really going on in our heart. You see, that's what the Jewish people would do. Uh, they would say, well, we're, we're circumcised, you're uncircumcised. We have these external symbols, so we have the covenant with God. And God, over and over, through prophets and to, through New Testament apostles, they would, God would break through that and say, I want the circumcised heart. But that was just an external symbol. I want your heart, and we experience that today. That a lot of us are so good at playing the game. That as I said Ephesians 2 earlier, you didn't have to think about where that was. You didn't have to look that up in the table of contents. You knew exactly where it was. As I talk about this right now, maybe you're thinking like, Tim, I've heard this before. I know basically what it says, and you know how to say the right things and do the right things and talk the right game. But inwardly, in your heart, man, you're hanging on by a thread. Your marriage, your finances your personal relationship with God, your bitterness towards him. And so they're they're dividing walls even in this room. And listen, no matter what side of that wall you're on, God is taking the far, this is good news, listen, God is taking the far off, the one who almost didn't make it in here, if that's you. God is taking the near, the one who knows Ephesians 2 by heart. And he's making us all one in him. Do you see that? So God is breaking down walls. He's making us one. He's bringing peace. Look at the text. That word peace is mentioned four times in four verses. Verse 16, he's reconciling. 
He's making enemies into friends. So it's not that God brings us close to set us on the sideline, to make us indifferent. No, he brings us to him. He brings us and makes us friends. Paul is describing this diverse yet unified church that has become family, that they're not just sons and daughters. They're now brothers and sisters in Christ, that if you know Jesus, no matter if you have memorized scripture or don't know where to find text in your Bible and have to go to the table of contents, no matter if you come in here and you, you know how to talk the right game and you serve in the church and you know what to do externally, no matter what your background is, if you grew up Catholic, if you grew up Protestant, if you grew up away from the church or in the church Sunday morning, Sunday night, or Wednesday night, no matter what your background is, your personality or your preference, you have been reconciled, you have been made one by the blood of Christ. That God has created and, and put together this unified, this diverse people, and that we have a purpose. Verses 18 through 20, that he's taking this people and he's building us up together in Jesus. Look at that text with me, 18 through 22. You see that we're unified for a purpose, that there's several pieces to that purpose. We have access in the spirit to the Father. We're citizens of God's kingdom. We're members of God's house. I love that language in verses 21 through 22 that you're joined together, that you're being built together into a dwelling place for God, that there's a new temple. His presence is no longer confined to a place. It's being cultivated in a people. Do you see that? That many times and oftentimes in church and even through our, our songs that we sing and, and through this time right here, we think it's just me and God, right? All I need is, is Jesus. I don't need anything else. I just need me and God. I just need to get some time with me and God. But when you look at this text, you see joined together, built together. When you heard the Gross and the Saunders share, you heard together, community, that the Christian life, that your purpose is to be connected, in all your diversity, you're to be unified in Christ. And that we all have different shapes and angles and preferences and personalities. We all have differences. So listen, as we talk about unity in the church, sometimes we can think that means, well, we agree on everything. As we talk about unity in our society, right, we talk about, well, you have to be tolerant of everything and you just agree with everything. And you need to know as you look at this text, just real practically, Paul isn't making moral principles something we divide or, or bust through over and, and unite on. So if you disagree with somebody over sin, it's not that you're like, well, it's okay, we need to be unified. That's not what Paul is saying. None of these are moral principles. These are ethnicities. These are tensions. These are backgrounds. These are preferences. And he's uniting us. So we still disagree, right? All of you in this room are wired differently a lot of you have different jobs. A lot of you have different bents, and, and you're unified together, and we get to worship together and learn together in Christ, that we're joined together with different angles and preferences that we're like stones, and we're connected to a cornerstone, that God is building a new temple in Jesus Christ, and there are no walls, but there are stones, and there's this cornerstone. He uses that imagery that there's this stone that every other stone fits around. So all our differences, all our preferences, that we all join together over this one stone, that that's why we're here. And so if you look at the church and even our church, 
that you could look across the room and you could think, I don't know that I would hang out with that person if I wasn't here. Maybe some of you, your best friend at our church. Maybe some of you, your spouse. Don't tell them this. But you could say, like, I don't know if I would have ever liked you or loved you if it weren't for Jesus and the church. That what you're describing there is, a, is that Jesus is your cornerstone, that he makes us all fit together, that as we look at that, at that language, joined together, built together, that it's around this stone that all of our angles, all of our uniqueness fits around this one cornerstone that he brings it all together. So listen, I don't know how you came in here. I don't know why you came to our church. I don't know if you Googled it. Somebody brought you. You just stumbled in here. Somebody said, hey, let's go downtown. You thought, that sounds fun. And you end up at a church. You got tricked into it. I don't know how you came in here. But listen, maybe you thought like, well, I, I like the music. Or I like some of the music sometimes. But I wish they would do a little bit more of this kind of music. Or maybe you thought like, man, if we could get some light show in here, I mean, that could really take us over the top. And maybe you visited some other churches and you've thought that and you said, I like the preaching over here and I like the music over here. And that church, I mean, they have some fireworks. And I can really escape my, my mess and I can really just be free to worship Jesus. And you've maybe said those things as you've church hopped. Listen, you need to know that the reason why we gather, the reason why we started a church and planted Phoenix Bible Church is not so you could gather around an affinity. Not so you could gather around a program not so that you could gather around a person, but it's so that you could gather around Jesus Christ, that he's the, the cornerstone, that we're all shaped around him. And so I don't know if that's why you came here, but you need to know that's God's purpose for you in the church, that all those other things that you are, if you settle for those things, you're missing out because you need to, as, as the body of Christ, you need to see that there's this one common thread, and it's Jesus. And that maybe you could sh share that with your spouse and celebrate. We wouldn't have met. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have been drawn to you. But Jesus, like, what do we have in common? I don't even know. We're married? I don't even know. But Jesus, he brought us together, and I love you. And that you can celebrate those stories and friendships and community groups and people who just show up on Sunday and you're like, I don't know, but Jesus, we're connected because of the cornerstone, and that's Jesus. Friday night, I was uh, eating dinner with a few of our leaders, and we were sitting around a, a dinner table eating dinner and sharing our stories, and we talked about how we met Jesus in some seasons of our life, like high school and college and married life and kids and all these different seasons and, and how Jesus was a thread through all that and how we met him and how we're growing up in him. And we're all sharing these stories and three of the guys were sitting on the same bench and they were sharing their stories and you begin to see a common thread as they all begin to share their stories. Like one moved here for a job and it was kind of unexpected. One moved here for a, a promotion of sorts. One moved here for mountains, and he said, I wanted Colorado, but I settled for Phoenix. <laughs> and they all came here in different ways, and we were all talking about how that all intersected with our faith and with Jesus, and specifically with Phoenix Bible Church. And as we began to hear those stories, and you began to see it too as you listened, they all had similarities, and they began to ask, like, well, when did you, when did you take that job? When did you come here? 
when did you first start hiking that brown hill we call a mountain? And they would realize, like, oh, I think that was 2012, right? Yeah, was that? Yeah, I think it was 2012. Like, I think we all came here about the same time. And we just thought about that, and I began to think about that, that you have guys from different backgrounds, from different parts of the country, from different experiences with the church, varied experiences with the church, different ethnicities. You had three guys sitting on this bench at a table in a cabin talking about being joined together and built up in Jesus, who two years ago were in completely different places, who had nothing in common, and now we're saying there's so many things in common, and we're all together for this same goal, and we're not just hanging out in a house, we're sitting at a table, and those three guys are sitting on the same bench with the same desire to know Jesus, to make him known, and to see that happen through Phoenix Bible Church. You see, there's, there's a community that's being joined together and built up in Jesus, and it is God's providence that makes that happen, right? If you know our story, there are so many reasons why we shouldn't be a church. Like, new churches all the time close. There's so many reasons why we shouldn't have been sustained as a church, but you can see a thread weaving all the way through our story of when we started this happened. This guy called. I was driving down the road, and I, and I thought about this, and we, we stopped by ASU Prep, and we asked them if we could meet here. And they said, hey, we just met as a board, and we've turned down churches before, but now we realize we need the money, and we have an awesome auditorium. Do you guys want to meet here? And we're like, yes, thank you. And you go on and on and on. Phoenix Bible Church, everybody that I talk to, specifically pastors, are so envious of our church name. They're like, how did you get that? How is that not available? We get requests all the time from people in our city and people abroad that want our help because they look and they think Phoenix Bible Church, that is established. They must have tons of resources to give away. They must have been here forever, right? They must be a staple in the community. And I'm like, listen, man, not so much. We're... We're, we're celebrating God's faithfulness, and, and we're seeing his fruitfulness, but we're still working on the thing. Uh, like, can you send some money? Can you, can you send some resources? Like, what church do you go to? And all the way through our story, there's, there's those, those threads of being joined together, being built up in Jesus, and you can never think, we made that happen, right? Like, my daughter prayed. God made Phoenix Bible Church. It's, it's abundantly clear. And there's this quote that, um, by C.S. Lewis that I just think really describes this well. And I want to read it to you. It says this, In friendship, we think we have chosen our peers. In reality, a few years difference in the dates of our births, a few more miles between certain houses, the choice of one university instead of another, the accident of a topic being raised or not raised at a first meeting, any of these chances might have kept us apart. But for a Christian, there are, strictly speaking, no chances. A secret master of ceremonies has been at work, 
Christ who said to the disciples, ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, can truly say to every group of Christian friends or relationships, ye have not chosen one another, but I have chosen you for one another. The friendship is not a reward for our discriminating and good taste in finding one another out. It is the instrument by which God reveals to each of us the beauties of others. Listen, I want you to look to your left and look to your right. This is not an accident that you're sitting next to that person. It's not an accident that you met that person this morning. It's not an accident that you walked in here. Maybe you're new and it's our two-year birthday. It's not an accident that God brought you here, that he's designed this, that he is joining together, that he is building up, that he's taking the people who are far off, who didn't want to have anything to do with God. He's taking the people who, who kind of knew God and kind of were in the mix. He's taking all of us and he's bringing together as one. There's no accidents. Listen, that's when, we, that's when we celebrate. That's when we have balloons, right? It's because we're celebrating. There's something to celebrate, right? And that is you, as you hear that, you're like, really? So it wasn't just happenstance that I got this flyer in the mail? So it wasn't just this guy was annoying and talking to me about Jesus so often? Like it was God bringing that together? Like, really? But that's something to celebrate, right? That we're, we're joined together, we're built up in Jesus, and there's no accidents in that and that you you look at that and you see that play out over these first two years and we see it in a guy in a row I walked in one Sunday morning and there's a guy in one of these first rows and he's got a Swiffer and he's just mopping the floor ASU prep is a charter school get their funding cut a lot and some of their janitorial staff is part of that so I don't know if you can tell sometimes you try to pick up your foot and it's all sticky it's dirty, right? And so there's a guy who showed up at 8.30. I didn't ask him to do this. He's got a Swiffer. I guess he brought it from home. I don't even know. And I look down, I see him. He's just Swiffering the floor. There's, there's guys last night, this, this whole crew that was up here on stage. They went to a, a studio in a sketchy part of Central Phoenix to practice for two hours last night to come play today and worship Jesus and help you do same. There's guys back there who have their many lights on their boards, and you can kind of see their faces, but not. Those guys, production and, and others, set up and wired cables because they were, they were brought here. They were joined together. They were being built up in Jesus in all these different roles and all these different ways, and they were brought together to see a new dwelling place that the dwelling place of God isn't any longer confined, confined to a space that it's cultivated in a people, that it's cultivated in the guy who's using the Swiffer, that it's cultivated in the guys running the board, that it's cultivated when these guys are practicing in a sketchy part of downtown Phoenix, that it's cultivated in all of you, whether you've been here since the beginning or whether you just showed up today, you have the opportunity to walk into that. It is a diverse, it is a unified people. And there's implications for that. Some of you, you're hearing me talk about this, and you're like, I haven't really experienced that. You need to take a step in that direction this morning. For some of you, that just means you need to stay after church and not bolt, and you need to get some chicken and waffles. Amen. Amen. For some of you, fried and fluffy goodness, that's the most spiritual thing you can participate in today. 
but not just eat the fried and fluffy goodness, right? Talk to somebody you don't know. Ask them how long they've lived in Phoenix. Ask them how they heard about Phoenix Bible Church. Just listen, learn, and swap stories. Some of you, that, that's your step today. Some of you, you've had that step. You kind of know some people. You're kind of coming on Sundays. You're kind of involved in this thing. Some of you, your step is that you need to connect. That really out of convenience, you walk in here right as we're starting worship. You leave right as we're leaving to go catch the game and eat lunch. And you're not connecting. You're just experiencing convenience. We want you to step out of that convenience and we want you to connect because that's what God has prescribed for us. That's the beautiful picture of the church. For some of you, you need to go back to the connect board right after this and say, how, how, can, I, how can I do that? How can I be joined together in Jesus? For some of you, you need to see, how can I serve? How can I be the guy who's, who's setting up some of these things? How can I contribute? How can I go from consuming to contributing in the mission of God with the people of God? That if we really say the church is not a, not a brand, not a building, not a person, that it's the people, the way we see that, the way we've seen that over our first two years is the people of God coming together to help people love Jesus, live like him, and lead others to him. And that happens in all sorts of ways. And maybe you need to step out in that way this morning. Listen, if you know Jesus, if you've trusted in Jesus, if by grace, his glorious grace, you've placed your faith in Jesus then you are not only sons and daughters of the most high God vertically, but horizontally you are brothers and sisters in Christ. And functionally, we need to take steps to see that grow. In year three, if we saw that multiplied, if we saw that deepened, God's going to continue to bless Phoenix Bible Church. He's going to continue to allow us to have balloons on stage and cake pops in the back next year and five years and ten years in 20 years, as we celebrate this diverse, this unified people who are built up together in Jesus, consider what step do you need to take in that process today as we celebrate? Let me pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for this time. I thank you for this occasion to celebrate your faithfulness, not our fruitfulness. God, I thank you that we can look back on your faithfulness and remember that and celebrate that, but it doesn't stop there, that we can anticipate now what you're going to do in the future, that if you did this in two years, what would you do in 10? And God, that all these men and women, they get to experience that. They get to experience being joined together, being far off and brought near by the blood of Christ. And God, I pray that that we would celebrate that. There, there's so much to celebrate about just that right there in Ephesians 2, 11 through 22. There's so much to celebrate and thank you for and gladly adore you for, to say amen for, that together when we say that we're agreeing in the Lord, that what you say about us is true. And we celebrate that this morning. So God, I pray that we would. We would celebrate you, your person, your work, your character, your nature that has brought this community together and that's bringing us together and continuing to bring people into that fold to build us together for a future for your glory and our joy. It's in the name of Jesus we pray, amen.